Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast. In this series, we take a look at CES 2018, who we visited, and what we liked. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren. Welcome back to the Hardware Asylum 2018 CES coverage. We're breaking this apart. Be sure to check out day one if you haven't already. If not, we're going to get started on day two. Woohoo, day two. The first meeting on the list was Gigabyte. Gigabyte. Now, Dennis made me get up really early in Vegas for Gigabyte, but it was worth it because Gigabyte was one of the largest displays that we saw, which makes sense since they're one of the larger manufacturers down there. Yes. In their booth, they basically had uh, a line of system builds, which was pretty awesome. They had that the previous year where they would invite modders to go and create a build with Gigabyte hardware. Most of the systems were using G-Skill memory. Which was interesting. G-Skill memory was really popular because the RGB lighting on it worked so well with so many of the different system builds and so many of the different lighting controllers. Well, and namely Gigabyte. Yeah, well, you know, Gigabyte. They weren't the only one we saw that was using it. Well, no, but definitely the most popular. We did see some that had uh, other memory in it. I would say a little bit of Corsair, a little bit of uh, Viper. Yep, Viper from Patriot. Uh huh. So uh, next to the builds was a golf simulator. Yes, and maybe got, Dennis's favorite thing. Yeah, I got to I got to hit a couple of balls. Darren even took a video, although I don't think I'm going to be posting that on Hardware Asylum, but... <laughs> if you want to check out that footage, you're going to have to do what, Dennis? Um, be nice. Well, folks, maybe if I sweet dog Dennis, I can get him to publish that little video on the Hardware Asylum YouTube page. So keep an eye out for that. But what do we see? What was new and exciting? Actually, everything at Gigabyte was pretty much shown at Computex, as we had mentioned before in day one at Asus. But we had a series of X299 motherboards, including one that was designed for the X7740, or no, Core i7-7740X. And that, as some people may know, is the KB Lake version of the X299 that only supports dual-channel memory. Oh, so not as real common design. No, it was a, a board that was designed specifically for that chip, which I thought was really cool. Hopefully it was a little cheaper. I didn't ask about price. They had uh, a, a mining-specific motherboard that had a whole bunch of PCI Express 1 slots on it all over. So it supported, like, I think it was 12 cards. It was crazy. And then they had a series of Ryzen boards and a couple of X1150s. They had a couple of the BRICS systems, which are really popular with sign makers and people that think that you can game on a small form factor machine. And an entire display of how a custom PC can be used in any sort of an environment. Now, I thought that was really cool and sort of unique to the Gigabyte booth. They had built specific rooms kind of in the Ikea style based on these different themes. And they had populated them with all their products, including some stuff that wasn't really common. Some launch-only items, their chairs, um, some kind of cool stuff. And it was nice to be able to see not just the products, but to see the products in an environment that might be something like what you had at home, home theater, gaming, or just a work environment. Well, yeah, like an office environment where you had a fully RGB water-cooled machine. You know, it might be a workstation, it might be an office space, but it's a custom computer in your office, which was pretty cool. And then they had the home theater, which was big, uh, large format gaming. Mm -hmm. You know, they had a small computer there and a... a 
consoles and stuff. And then, of course, the, they had the gaming room, which I thought was pretty awesome. Triple monitor display, full RGB, water-cooled build. Just crazy black, overkill, in fact. Black walls. Yeah, awesome. So I endeavor to have a room like that sometime soon. But you know what? I think going back to the home theater room was kind of interesting to me. And I know I mentioned that we weren't going to talk a lot about this, but this was interesting because it was based on wireless peripherals, including their wireless headset. But it was based off of a laptop and one of the few designs where I thought it made sense to have a breakout external video card system. And we talked a lot about this at CES with a lot of different vendors. And I, Dennis, I still have a hard time believing that there's a reason that these exist. But this was the only time I saw it where it kind of made sense, where you could come home with your laptop, plug it into your external video card, and be good to go with a nice home theater gaming system. Yes, definitely. I totally agree, and not really. <laughs> Still not probably going to buy one. But then again, you know, we're not the target audience. We build PCs. Yes. The, one, the other um, vendor who was actually sharing a suite with Gigabyte was Intermax. Yes, yes. And this was good for me because I hadn't seen a lot of the Intermax product in person, at least. On display, they had uh, some RGB ring style fans. And this was something that Darren mentioned in day one, how certain vendors were trying to blend their LED lights together. So it had a continuous color instead of seeing individual LEDs. And that's the way that their uh, fans were set up. Intermax had also a really cool solution. And we'll have a picture of this for their heat sink with lighting and a flow indicator built into it. And they had RGB on that that I thought was maybe the best on-processor RGB that I saw the whole show. Kicker here is that in a lot of AIO designs, it was a pump-block combo where the pump was actually on the block. You know, Cooler Master has that little separated thing. Uh, Asetech is all combined. Well, with the Intermax one, the pump was actually in line on the hose. So the block was... It had a flow indicator on it and some RGB lights, and then the block was right there, but the pump wasn't present. The pump was somewhere else. And I thought that was a creative uh, way to get around the whole Asetech uh, <laughs> lawsuit patent sort of thing. Absolutely. The one thing I wanted to bring up with Intermax is that they had an interesting AIO that was designed for Threadripper and the next generation Intel CPUs that are supposed to be really super hot. Much larger. Much larger. And believe it or not, I think we, we made an impression. And we gonna, did. We did. <laughs> yeah. In a good one, I hope. Yeah. In a previous podcast, we talked about how much heat sink you really need. And in that, we were talking about how heat sinks, very few of them actually tell you how much capacity they will support, how much heat they will dissipate. This is especially common in the AIOs, and it's maddening. It, it's terrible. Um, Be Quiet is one of the only vendors that actually lists what the TDP is of their heat sinks. Well... Intermax, on a big poster, on the way to the suite, they had 500-plus TDP supported. And I'm like, that's perfect. They have an AIO that's basically a triple fan with a pump-block combo on there. Dissipates 500-plus watts. And they're not afraid to show it. And that's even an impressive number, especially for an AIO, which is moving that right to the top of my recommend for folks that are trying to get into water cooling with a serious system but are a little afraid of the do-it-yourself. Uh, let's see. Next on the list. Let me, let me flip in through my thing here. Ooh, Silverstone. Nice. Now, Silverstone, been a friend of the site for many, many years, and one of Dennis's, maybe Dennis's favorite case manufacturer. 
oh, I don't know if I would be that bold, but ah. they are up there. They had a couple of new cases, and I'm going to murder the name right now because I cannot ever remember which it is. These cases that we talk about, the RL07 was probably the first case that really got me excited about putting a build in it. Now, there were a few of these that we saw throughout the thing, and I, I, I'm going to have to direct you to the pictures because it's very difficult to describe this. I don't know, would you say this is postmodern Cubanist? I mean, you're the designer in the house. What, what kind of style would you say that is? <laughs> uh, it's really difficult to say. Some people call it broodless. Some people call it postmodern, which is basically the exact same thing. The front of the case is basically split vertically and tilted. So if you uh, think of a, like a rocker switch right next to each other, one oh, yeah, rocker, yeah. One rocker is pushed in at the top and one rocker is pushed in at the bottom. And they're basically LED blacklit or backlit, I should say. So we have light bleeding out across the low areas at the high area. And they, have, they had two versions. They had a white with blue light and they had a black with red light, which is typical of the Red Line series. It's probably the most unique front bezel I've seen on a case in a really, really long time. Yeah, super clean, super simple. The accent color was beautiful. I mean, my only disappointment is that these weren't pure aluminum cases like we've seen from Silverstone in the past. Right. But that's a cost-controlling measure. And it, it is a Redline series. It's the value-oriented. And, you know, if they take off and they become popular, you never know. Maybe they'll do one in aluminum. I got to tell you, the pictures is what you need to see for these because this is slick and unique. And it wasn't the only unique thing that Silverstone did with their cases. They did something else that we had even other manufacturers ask us about. Yeah, they had a, um, well, similar to uh, Asus that we were talking about in the previous podcast, hint, hint. They had the ROG Spotlight where it was projecting a logo on the wall. Well, with the Silverstone case, they have the Silverstone logo projected down on the floor. Yeah, and this is designed like ground effects lighting, or if you've seen the silly lighting on the cars, like we've mentioned Fast and Furious before, right? Yeah. We all kind of think that's cool, but nobody wants to do it. But on the case, it looked slick, and it projected their logo, but it had the potential to put any logo down there. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it looked like the kind of thing that could be kind of fun to mod. Well, and it they've done it primarily so that they can OEM these builds and maybe CyberPower PC can put their logo down there or whoever happens to be selling that case at the time. That is a big market for Silverstone is these OEM sort of builds, push them out as quickly as possible, and they give them the option. It's pretty cool. But it looked great, and they were the only ones doing it. So kudos for that because I think that this is a trend that we're going to see in the future. Very copied and very popular, especially, like you say, in the OEM builders. Yeah, they had um, also they had a 1200 watt platinum power supply that was in the small form factor, the original one. So it's a fully modular, super, super small. I have a picture of it next to a 750 watt gold and the 750 is larger, which and is crazy, crazy, crazy. And then uh, they had, a, well, you know, some other stuff, you know, some of their little trinkety things like the new third generation remote start. Which <laughs> oh, my gosh. Got to have it. You have no idea that you need this. Go check out my review of the previous version, but I am ready to move up to this even cleaner version. Yeah. Let's see. Next on the list. Oh, we have Zotac. Oh, yay, Zotac. Zotac was kind of fun. They had a couple of new systems on display. And when I say systems, we're talking complete computers. If you uh, may remember, Zotac was one of the first companies to pioneer the mini ITX full feature sort of motherboard where they would include high-end audio, 
Wi-Fi, Ethernet, certain overclocking controls, stuff like that. And they were custom boards. Well, they're starting to expand and creating custom boards for custom small form factor PCs. And these are thin. They kind of look like an Xbox or a PS4. I thought this was a really clean design. In fact, they don't really look like you would vision a small form factor uh, computer looking at all. Now, they had some pretty builds also, but this thing, uh, yeah, it looks kind of like a cable modem, ironically. And they had some nice uh, separation of the heat compartments inside that I thought was neat Mm -hmm. and the ability to put a full-size card in it. Yeah. I, I'm going to say that the case design was probably based off of one of the Silverstone Raven um, cases that I reviewed where we had them separated, but... Very possible. Either way, it was a pretty cool design, and they had slimming lights, which I thought was really kind of fun. The, basically, the LED lights on the front, they came in at the middle and then out at the bottom, so they kind of gave it a nice hourglass effect. Now, this is kind of funny because I lost a bet over this because I thought the slimming was an optical illusion done only by the lights. But, in fact, the case was also contoured. So, yeah, that one's on me. But definitely check out the pictures. But that was not the last cool thing we saw. Yeah, we have an all-in-one computer that was built into a curved 34-inch monitor. You know, this thing was impressive because they had it on a swivel wall mount, and it had a full set of speakers built into it too and still managed to be slimmer than most TVs, although we did see some amazingly slim TVs while we were down there. I was still impressed. In fact, if she hadn't told me that it was an all-in-one system, I would have thought it was being powered by the silly Bluetooth speaker sitting under it. So inside, there was basically two inputs. They had an Xbox hooked up to one side and the PC hooked up to the other side, but you could have the PC take up the entire screen, which was kind of fun. In the back, basically, it has a full computer and a full video card. They said it was being powered by an APU, which kind of tells you that it's an AMD-based system. Right. Very low power, so it's not going to be a full-on gaming build, but you can certainly use it to um, do 90% of all your computer stuff. Yeah, a very cool all-in-one build. And we've seen these grow in popularity, and I've always kind of been against them because of the limitations and the fact that, of course, there's no upgradability. But the prices are coming down and making these more viable, especially when you have limited space. Yeah, I was actually really impressed. If Before we go on to the next one, um, CyberPower PC tried to do this very same thing a couple of years before, and they ended up abandoning the project because they were trying to fit desktop-style hardware in their cases so that you could actually make a real gaming PC that was an all-in-one. And the concept is awesome. The concept is awesome. And really, the problem was they didn't have a way to manufacture custom hardware to put inside this thing. So, you know, if if the Zotac design takes off, chances are we will see some more really similar to it. So who do we see next on day two? You know, I'm going to butcher this name because I don't think they ever told me what it was, but Rio Toro. I think that might be right. If not, it's definitely close. Yeah. The logo, pretty darn cool. It it looks like uh, like a bull. Yeah, I like this. Now, Toro, of course, kind of lends you to think bull, so it makes sense. This was a manufacturer that I wasn't familiar with, and I came away suitably impressed with the build quality and I thought the styling was really cool across their cases, but I'll let Dennis talk specifically. You really want me to do that? Do it. Okay. So we have basically a couple of cool cases. I'm going to, I don't remember what the names are, but the front bezels are set up so that they have a nice mesh. 
In the middle is a centered light bar, which kind of mimics the logo if you turn the logo sideways. So we have these two little horns and then Mm -hmm. basically the nose. And I thought the racing stripe was a theme that was across all their cases. Even the lower cases, the lower end affordable stuff, had a stripe, but it didn't light up. The theme that they're carrying across is basically these segmented panels. So on the on the high end case, we have a top panel that's kind of got some rounded corners on it. So it's just a rectangle with cutouts, mm-hmm. and then the front has the the cool little um, segmented vent with the light in the middle, which is really bold actually and, and nicely contoured, not flat. Again, definitely need to check out the pictures because these looked so good, especially for what I would consider as a first or second generation product from a new company and tempered glass side panels which is becoming a standard with a lot of cases now. The new case that they had on display was kind of a low-end one. It had the logo, the lighted logo on the front, a little racing stripe down the middle, which was offset on the left side slightly, and then basically a um, an acrylic panel and an embossed logo on the side. They also had a grip of mice and keyboards, uh, basically kind of the standard uh, gaming sort of setup, you know, mechanical keyboards of kind of a flat little... Um, typewriter sort of situation. They had custom mouse pads, which were cloth. I really kind of like that. Nice grip surfaces too, and nice bold logos, especially if you like the logo. It's very aggressive. And the mice are pretty, they're gamer-centric. They sent us one home so that we can kind of test it out, and I have yet to pull it out of the box. So hopefully we will see a review on that soon. The last item that they were showing was an all-in-one cooling solution, which uses um, a Cooler Master-esque radiator where the the fins are really tight together and i want to say it's probably a cooler master design i'm not really sure but the the pump on them was much larger than i'd seen before and the fans were quite unique in that they uh they were following a high pressure design with the thin well the big curvy fins but then they put a ring about i don't know maybe five millimeters or a half an inch down from the edge which tricks the fan into pushing more air because it creates two tips Uh and that's supposed to increase airflow without increasing noise and uh, rpms i have yet to test one of those fans so i'm not really sure if that's actually how it translates but it was a unique design that i hadn't seen done on a computer case fan before definitely and they were good looking products too and not so crazy with the rgb now these are had a cool name too they're the bifrost series which Reminded me, of course, of the comic book series. and You mean Thor? Yes, I mean Thor. So that was kind of clever, too. The look of the uh, the CPU coolers also I thought was really attractive. Let's see. Our next meeting that we had was with AlphaCool. And this is a new company for me because I just started reviewing some of their products. And the first one was the Ice Bear or Ice Bear. I don't know. It's German. Uh, Look for that. I'll put a link down in the show notes. But they had a few new products on display, including some kits that would help in bending hardline tubing and also cable mods. Oh, my gosh. And they had a lot of stuff geared at water cooling, which is there especially. They had some really great-looking Helix uh, reservoirs that could be set up with UV lighting. Oh, UV lighting coming soon, right? Yeah, coming soon. Um, These reservoirs, I should mention, they had uh, multiple ports on the top and the bottom, a helix in the middle, and they had uh, aluminum shrouds on both sides. But they made it very clear that the part that touches the water is actually 
and acetyl. These were probably the best looking reservoirs that I saw down there as far as custom. The colors sharp and bright, the design very sexy, and the ability to install this in lots of different orientations was the best I'd seen. Yeah, they were claiming that these reservoirs, um, there's a new version that's coming out that's going to be slightly different and they said that if you could think about doing something with a reservoir, this reservoir will do it. And I'm like, well, that's intriguing. I can't wait to see it. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, they had some pumps and pump blocks on display. One of them was a kind of a neat little, I want to call it a percolator, really. <laughs> but it had a, a DDC pump in the bottom and then a small res on top and then in and out ports. And it was a basically a little square. You could put it just about anywhere in your computer. I like that because it was kind of low profile. And it had an interesting look, I think would be most at home in the bottom of a case. But I really want to talk about that bending kit because it was crazy. Oh, yeah, the bending kit that comes in the metal suitcase. The ice coffer or ice coffin, I want to say. Yeah, I think it was called the ice coffin. Inside this kit, they have basically um, a perforated metal board that you would put down the mandrels on. So, you know, when you're building or say... When you're bending hardline tubing, you have a mandrel that you heat up the tube and then you bend it around the mandrel to get the bend that you're after. The problem with that is that unless you have your mandrels all set up and multiples of them, it's really hard to snake the tube around to get the bend exactly how you want. With the ice coffin, they give you this perforated metal board and a bunch of plastic mandrels that you can mount directly to that board and set up the bends however which way you need and then reposition them for the next bend. And they had a couple of different versions, uh, some of them for 90s, some of them for 180s. They have <laughs> this one right here. I'm pointing at it, radio, right? Yeah, there you go. It has, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five different angles built into it. And each one of these supports two different sizes of tubing, so you can get the large diameter and the small diameter stuff. Now, these were plastic, but a lot of them also had rubber gripping surfaces inside of them to help keep them in place while you're bending and cutting. And not to damage the tube. That's also important. Very cool. But a lot of the parts were metal. And Dennis, this is all of it inside a large suitcase Suitcase that's metal, lockable. I mean, they really tried to give you the kitchen sink. And this is a premium kit. And so it carries a premium price, but we're including a cutting saw, heat-resistant gloves, Two different inserts, metal, this, that, the other. Oh, yeah. They had a deburring tool that most of them that you can buy are plastic with metal blades inside. This one was metal with metal blades inside. And he claims that it will cut the PETG without chattering, which I'm, I would be impressed if that actually worked that way. So if you're interested in hardline custom tubing, this thing has everything you need. And that means it does carry a large price point. But honestly... This kit was the bomb. It had everything I could think of and then some for hardline tubing. So if you're serious about it, if you're going to do multiple builds, this is the first, last, and only kit that you would ever need. And so that helps to justify the premium price point a little bit more. Yeah, they had a couple of other kits that they're working on, one of them for uh, cable mods. So you have uh, the cable stripper, you have the tools to remove wires from the Molex plugs so you can work on SATA plugs and fan plugs and also the large and small Molex power supply whatever cable you need to work on so you can do your custom sleeves they had the uh, stripping tool I'd already mentioned that mm -hmm. they also had the crimping tool so you can put the new ends on there so if you need to cut the end off to make the cable shorter you can put the new 
pin on there and put it back into where it needs to go. Well, Dennis, then, I can tell you, the, the Alpha Cool guys, they are not kidding around when it comes to modifying your system, your cables, your hardline loop, your water blocks, you name it. Now, the one thing I do want to mention is these are limited availability right now in the United States market, but they are working on that. So the names may change as they come out in the United States. That doesn't mean you can't get this product today. It just means that you have to look a little harder for it. But I think Dennis and I would both agree that this stuff is worth searching out if you want premium products and you're not afraid to pay for them. Well, that concludes our coverage of day two. Be sure to tune in again for day three. And if you hadn't checked out day one, check out hardwareasylum.com and click on that link. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. This has been an Angel Lane production, copyright 2018. Thanks for listening.